coming up on Stu Does America. Did you miss any news about the election because you were watching mostly peaceful protesters burn down some of our beautiful American cities? There's a ton of new polling data out from after the conventions to look at. We'll see if we're going down the road to Stalingrad or not. Then Jason Buttrell joins us to preview the Glenn Beck program's newest special, Digital Stormtroopers, how big tech will silence you and steal the election. It's one that you do not want to miss. To join our fight against the evil YouTube algorithm robots, I mean, they hate conservative content, but you can make us a success anyway by subscribing to our channel and liking all of our videos, even this one right now, before you forget, or I say something that pisses you off. Last week was our biggest week so far on YouTube. Thank you so much for that. And even if you're just normally watching on YouTube, go to your podcast app on your phone and click subscribe. Along with your five-star reviews, it helps us spread the word on the show. And it's working there, too. Last week was our biggest week so far on the audio podcast as well. Thank you so much for that. Okay, let's get started. I, I will tell you, I can't even stamp the false media-driven narratives and the pretentious virtue signaling anymore. So tonight, let's do the truth about Jacob Blake. Stu does America. We all know the story the media is telling us about Jacob Blake. The man is pretty much a hero now. I mean, at the very mention of his name, I'm sure you all had a million headlines flash through your heads with all the fawning admiration for the latest victim of monstrous and racist American police apparatus. The WNBA, which is a basketball league that women play in, posed with T-shirts that spelled out his name. Drew Brees and other New Orleans Saints players are displaying his name on their helmets at practice. And a GoFundMe has been started in his honor and has now raised over $2.2 million. But what is the truth about this incident? Should Jacob Blake be transformed into a woke sportswear label? Well, we all saw the video of Blake's shooting, and we've seen the comments from Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and so many more. But to understand the shooting on August 23rd, we need to go back to May 3rd. Because of an incident occurring on May 3rd, Blake was charged with third-degree sexual assault, among other things. There are some rumors that he had sex with a minor floating around the Internet, but that isn't true, at least as, as far as we know. To be charged with third-degree sexual assault in Wisconsin, two things need to be true. One, the defendant had sexual intercourse with the victim. Two, the victim did not consent to the sexual intercourse. Hmm. We now know that the alleged victim was the same woman who called the police on the day that Blake was shot. She called police because Blake, you know, showed up at her place when he wasn't supposed to. And last time he was there, he wound up being charged with third degree sexual assault. Gee, I wonder why she was so scared. Let's look into what happened on May 3rd. Of course, it's important to note that we live in a society where all persons are innocent until proven guilty. That includes the cops, too, by the way, for you on the left. Blake hasn't been prosecuted for this incident as of yet, despite the warrant being issued over a month ago. The alleged victim went to a party in Milwaukee the previous night and came back to her place around 4 a.m. She went to sleep in the bedroom and then was startled awake. Standing above her was Jacob Blake. They had known each other for years, but it was well known that he was not welcome in her home. Imagine the type of person you have to be to do this. Blake had broken into her home and was just creepily standing above her as she slept. She was not alone in bed, however. 
she was sleeping next to one of her children. While her child slept next to her, Blake proceeded to digitally assault her against her will. There are some really nasty details to this that I'm not going to read. After collecting herself following the assault, she ran out of her home after Blake. When she realized her car was stolen, gone, stolen by Blake. He had also gone through her purse and taken her keys, and it seems like her ATM card because he made two unauthorized withdrawals from her bank account. She called 911 and talked to police. Oddly, the police who are portrayed, of course, as horrible racist monsters by every Democrat athlete and celebrity seemed very protective of the victim and didn't start randomly executing minorities in the complex. Instead, they took a tearful statement from her where she said that the assault, quote, caused her pain and humiliation and was done without her consent. And she was very, quote, humiliated and upset by the sexual assault according to the record as obtained by the New York Post. The report also noted that she, quote, had a very difficult time telling the officer this and cried as she told how the defendant assaulted her. So some may ask, okay, we get it. He's a bad guy. But what about the incident itself? Let me answer that clearly. This is the incident itself. This incident should be the one we prioritize. This is the Jacob Blake incident. To be super clear here, yes, a woman being raped in her bed next to her child should take priority over an alleged rapist with a knife resisting arrest that was shot by police. Yes, it should. The sexual assault should be the incident everyone is so interested in. I hear a hell of a lot of calls for justice for Jacob Blake. Where are the calls for justice for the victim of his sexual assault? Not to mention his theft and other more minor crimes. Where does she get justice? A lot of people will say, yeah, 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 he might have been a bad guy, but he doesn't deserve to be shot seven times. And that's true. The penalty in Wisconsin for this type of assault is only 10 years in prison. Do I think that's enough? Glad you asked. No. No, I do not. Of course, you'd also have to add on the penalty for stealing the car and the money from the bank account. Oh, and the allegation that this wasn't a one-time incident. As the victim stated, he physically assaults her, quote, around twice a year when he drinks heavily. The guy basically has a repeating calendar event on his phone for domestic abuse. And add on the resisting arrest, fighting with officers and making threats. What do you get? What's the appropriate penalty? Let's be generous. We'll call it life in prison. This puts a bit of context around Blake's actions that day. He thought he was running from decades in prison. Decades. So that's probably why he's resisting. It's probably why he's got a knife. It's probably why he somehow pushes through two separate attempts to tase him. Look, if after a full investigation, the facts point to the conclusion that this was not a justified shooting, then the officers may very well be charged, and I'm fine with that. But if you're telling me I need to make a choice as to what Jacob Blake incident should be getting all the attention, the choice is easy. Should we be talking about the injustice of an innocent woman who was sexually assaulted in her bed as she slept next to her child 
Or should we be talking about the supposed injustice of a frequent domestic abuser, thief and rapist who was shot after resisting arrest, ignoring clear directions from officers while possessing a knife and walking through a taser a couple of times, not to mention fighting with cops? I have no problem making that choice. How on earth in the freaking Me Too era is this guy a hero? Everyone in the public eye should stop and take a minute and think about what they are doing here. Imagine how this victim feels. Imagine how she feels when she sees a WNBA team standing on the court wearing T-shirts that spell out the name of her rapist. Imagine how she feels when she sees footage of Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints wearing on their helmets the name of her rapist. Imagine how she feels when she sees that thousands of people are paying millions of dollars to her rapist. If we live in a society that cannot recognize how impossibly cruel this is to Jacob Blake's victim, then police brutality is absolutely the last thing we have to worry about. All right, trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging, of course. And that's why you need a real estate agent you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're moving across the country and we've going, you know, after going through all this COVID stuff and people are losing jobs, the economy's in shambles, you may, be, may very well be moving, looking for a new gig, looking for a new place to live. Call real estate agent. Well, go to the website. I guess you don't call them. You go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Then you'll call the real estate agent. You'll talk to them. You'll find out if they're the agent for you. My guess is they're going to be. You know why? They're already screened. You don't have to worry about getting a crappy real estate agent. You get a good one because they've already been gone through the entire process uh, to make sure that, you know, look, you have somebody you can actually trust. This is your biggest financial transaction you'll probably ever make in your life. I mean, that's a big deal. You have to make sure you have somebody who's good at, at their job, who's at the, uh, at the head of this transaction, and can make sure they don't miss anything. Make sure it doesn't, you know, something doesn't uh, fall through the cracks. Make sure your house is set up uh, the best way possible if you're selling it, or looking for a place with good bones and a good neighborhood, someone who knows the area if you're buying. Realestateagentsitrust.com. The name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Joined once again by Jason Buttrell. He is the head researcher and writer for the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Coming up immediately after this episode is Glenn's new special, Digital Stormtroopers, How Big Tech Will Silence You and Steal the Election. Optimistic vision. Uh, Don't miss it. 9 p.m. Eastern right here on Blaze TV. Jason, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, Not that it matters uh, since Facebook and YouTube will bury this interview anyway. You're like (laughs) you're on the you're on the depression list. They just they just throw you you post something great. Only two people see automatic. So that's what it is. It's not the content. You know, I'm stupid. Or anything. Partially because I keep reporting it <laughs> uh, as flagged content. Um, the Tonight's special, I mean, we've done a lot of this stuff over the past few years. It is scary because I think the scariest part about looking at this tech stuff, um, and you have Dr. Robert Epstein on this on the special tonight, uh, he's talked about it, which is it's not trackable, right? Like, if Google shows every Democrat, hey, go out, get out and vote today, and reminds them, some people will be reminded and go out and vote. But if they show that to only people they know are Democrats and not to people who know are Republicans, you can move the election. You can move the election with search results that just come up. Those aren't stored forever. Those aren't something that everyone can see. They're personalized for each individual. So they're completely invisible. So, yeah. And the scary thing about that is and I liken it to like I remember when I was like a 
sophomore in high school, we had this uh, hypnotist come and do this big presentation. Mm -hmm. I don't remember why, but he did. And of course, like the, most of the skeptics were like, I could never be hypnotized. That, mm -hmm. that crap could never happen to me. And it's kind of similar to this. I'm like, I would never be able to be influenced. There's just no way. I'm yeah. into this so much. You know, I'm always looking at it. I'm studying it. There's no way Google's going to influence me. They're not going to hypnotize my vote here. But Epstein has actually done studies, private studies, where he invited people in. They had no idea what, was, what the study was about. They were just supposed to like Google things, look up topics, yada, yada, yada. And then they were asked certain questions at the end of these studies. Mm -hmm. He was able to, I mean, just using the same methods that Google does, he was able to completely change their mind on who they were going to vote for. Complete their impressions on, oh, well, you know, actually, I, I thought that this guy was, you know, kind of a bad dude, but now I'm thinking he's like a good dude now. Yeah. I mean, like, what? Yeah. They had, they had no idea what was happening. I think, like, I don't think you would be influenced by this. I don't think I would be influenced by this. I think, though... The person who watches nothing but the Kardashians, <laughs> that person who is still whose vote counts as much as ours do can be right. Because you're not like if you're a, you know, people who watch the blaze, for example, are not going to be moved to Joe Biden from Google. But there's a lot of people who aren't engaged like we are. And, you know, I think that because I think Glenn's special is going to highlight something really important that is in in reality. Right. Let me get to non-reality for a second. <laughs> the larger problem here is not enough people are engaged to know what the hell they want to do as far as their vote goes yeah. because they don't follow this stuff every day. They don't care. And so much of the game right now in politics is trying to get the people who don't know anything and don't care about anything to vote for them. Yeah. That's a bad system. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and going off of that, uh, something that uh, Dr. Epstein has, has pointed out in the past, like it was kind of funny. He pointed out what Google search, uh, search engines would put up uh, I think they're called ephemeral experiences or yeah, something like ephemeral, that. Ephemeral, yeah. Ephemeral. So like when you type something into Google, like in a search, like if I said Stu Bergier is, mm -hmm. there'd be like a bunch of other, uh, there's a ton of people that would have filled those in. Like yep. Stu Bergier, you know, is... Great, you know, fantastic. Yeah. A nerd. Stu Bergier is, you know, not very good looking. Stu Bergier is, and it would just go down at however, like, like if, you know, 80 people, you know, said mm. Stu Bergier is not very good looking, that might be right at the top. Right. And that's, how, that's how we believe it works, right? We believe... <laughs> We believe that I'm not good looking, but also <laughs> that uh, like wh whatever is searched for the most is going to be at the top of that list. That's right. what we believe when we use Google. Right. So he showed up for Hillary Clinton. So he did Hillary Clinton is back. This was back during the uh, 2016 election. Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton is. And for Google, it was Hillary Clinton is, you know, a really smart woman or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And you're like, I don't Who think would that's search for searching that. that. Yeah. But then so he did the same thing over at like Yahoo and a couple of other search engines like Bing, if anyone even uses that and uh it was like hillary clinton is satan literally i think that was the top one hillary clinton is a, you know uh you know a marxist or hillary clinton right. is right. you know a, you know a, whatever all these negative things it's very obvious that the vast amount of people that were saying hillary clinton is was all negative mm -hmm. nobody was saying anything positive except you go way down the list but google just deleted all those and put that right at the top. We just did a current one uh, just a few days ago for BLM. We put BLM is. Now for, in the very beginning, you had a lot of people asking questions and the algorithm wasn't set, you could tell. So mm -hmm. you did BLM is, and it said a Marxist organization. BLM is a terrorist organization. BLM is whatever. It was all these negative things. Google switched that. So right now, if you put BLM is, it autofills Israel. 
for some weird reason yeah. and no so other choices. Searching for BLM in Israel. <laughs> yeah, what? Right. Well, and, and what I think is really scary about it, too, is that it's not just that they can manipulate what comes up at the top of that. They can change it. So, yeah. like, they could put for you, Hillary Clinton is an Eagles fan. And for me, they could put Hillary Clinton as a Cowboys fan, right? And, and that's a ridiculous example because I, I obviously neither of us would vote for her solely for that reason. <laughs> but, like, that's a ridiculous example. But think about how they could do that. They have so much information on you. They know what you like and what you don't like. They might put, you know, if you're interested in Hillary Clinton hates the military, and they would put on me, Hillary Clinton wanna, wants to raise taxes, right? Going to my specific interests so I, so I can see. And, of course, the obvi- obviously the opposite would be true and much more likely. I mean, Donald Trump wants to raise taxes. Donald Trump is a Cowboys fan, meaning I could never vote for Donald Trump. Um, so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, They can do that to a specific person based on their specific needs. And there's no way for the media to report on it because they're not hanging over the guy's shoulder and seeing it. It's there and it's gone. Yeah. Something that we're going to show tonight is um, Dr. Epstein has really laid out like a three step, um, you know, the the three step blueprint for their little attack on this and how they're going to try and steal this election. And right off the top, what, what should freak everyone out and what you really need to see is surveillance. Google has built this massive surveillance system on you. And that's not even being hyperbolic. Actually built like every single like product they've put out. Its entire purpose has been to surveil you and to find out what you like, how you think. And then that's step one. The second one is how to use that information to directly manipulate you. Mm -hmm. And this like the surveillance thing. I I think most people just never really thought about it. But why did they make Chrome? The, the web browser. Why have a web browser? We already had, we could have stayed with Netscape, you know, for all those years or whatever. Um, but the whole point was, so they, they, they knew that they needed a way to track you to find out where you're going on the internet so that they could target certain things to you. Amazing. So they made the, uh, the website. Then they found out, well, wait a minute, now people aren't, you know, primarily surfing the internet off of their web browser. They're doing it on their phone. Then they uh, invented Android. The whole purpose of Android phones is because they knew they, they, there's a, t- a point where you're not a, at your computer yeah, they're losing and you're people. walking around. Mm. So they created Android. It's just a spy on you. That's, if you're using an Android phone, that's what it's there for. Amazing. Um, let me switch gears. Yeah. Uh, you uh, are a little fired up. Um, apparently you don't believe the Marines are racists and I don't understand it. There's so much evidence here on this one. Oh my gosh, Stu. I, I tell you what, I try, you know, I try to keep social media, a family friendly, you know, medium. (laughs) Yeah. And I was really struggling yesterday. Uh This, what we're talking about is this article came out by this journalist at the New York times and the headline I, I almost passed out when I saw it was the Marines, the few, the proud, the white. And the little subheadline underneath that was how the Marines apparently have this white general cabal where maybe they meet in some underground bunker and they decide not to have any black generals, mm. which is absolutely categorically ridiculously insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first off, right off the top, newsflash, the smallest branch in the military, about 180,000 uh, people, by far the smallest if we're not counting the national, or the, I'm sorry, the, uh, like the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but Department of Defense, smallest branch, of course they're not going to have as many black or other minority generals within their, within for, their group. It's like a raw total number. Yeah. Right. I, I'm so sick of these like ridiculous, wild like assumptions just that people try to make to explain why there's not more diversity in certain areas. Yeah. I mean, literally, you think that there's been, ever since 1770. 
1905, when the Marine Corps was created, that there is literally some like fraternal order of the white general, right. where they're like, well, let's continue to make sure none of these black guys become generals. It's insane. Well, what would strike me too is like in a, in a military setting, it's got to be one of the least race, racist areas that you could have because you're depending on people for your life. Your your lives are on the line. The last thing you're thinking about is, oh, I don't want that African American to protect me. Like that's not you know, like I don't want that guy to save my life. He's a different color. That that just seems like it would be ridiculous. So there's there there's a lot of people that probably get into the Marine Corps and they probably feel like that when they first get there. You learn to drop that in a, in a heartbeat. You're saying like you might have, so you might be uncomfortable with with, uh, with some racial issue, but yeah. when you get into the military, it goes away. It completely goes away. I don't. I can't speak for the other branches. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, but I've been through you know Marine Corps boot camp. From the very first day, they line you up off the bus. You get on these little yellow footprints, kind of shows you how to stand at attention. You're standing there, and from the very first moment before you even march down to a barracks, they tell you that the only color we see here is green, meaning the uniform. Mm-hmm. There is no other color. And at first you're like, what? And then you learn very fast. I don't care what your petty differences were. Yeah. Those are gone. Mm-hmm. And they make that so clear. It is the ultimate, you know, I've never seen so much racial harmony than when I was in the Marine Corps. And what's funny is it's not politically correct at all. Right, right, right. So you'll get the white jokes, you'll get the black jokes, you'll get the brown, you'll get all that stuff. <laughs> right, right. But everyone knows there's no racism involved with it. Everyone's cracking up and like, it's like when you were a kid in high school and everyone just like jabbing at each other. Mm-hmm. You still get all it, but there is absolutely no racism. I've never seen that anywhere but maybe church. It's interesting because it, uh, racism is inherently dumb. Right. It's an inherently dumb belief. Right. Where we all say, oh, well, I'm very nervous about the skin color. I keep coming back to this, but it's like we're talking about immutable characteristics. Right. That's what skin color is. So is eye color. So is hair color. So is a bunch of other stuff. Why don't we care about those things? Why don't we care about hair color? Why don't we? Well, because it's nothing. It means nothing. And it, 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 the sum total of hair color is a, a giant zilch. It means nothing. It has nothing to do with your character. For some people, it's literally nothing. And for you. <laughs> That's a really good point. But it's like, we've just randomly assigned this value to skin color for some reason. And we know that when it comes down to it, when, when your ass is on the line, nobody's thinking about it. Yeah. Nobody is thinking about skin color in a moment when your life is on the line. And I think like that, it's obvious, I think, a military situation would just root that out of everybody. What's amazing is, and it does, it, what's amazing is these woke journalists, they look at, like there's this one colonel, there was this uh, black marine colonel that, that she kind of focuses on. Like, why is he not promoted? She didn't have one single quote from him. Not one single quote, mm. because I guarantee you, if she probably talked to him, he would have been, you know, screw you, lady, given her the finger <laughs> and said, you know nothing about this and marched yeah. on. Yeah. Not one single quote. And these journalists, they'll, they look at, they'll look at, a. Uh, she didn't even mention one famous uh, black Marine general. Um, a Marine would never look at him as, oh, that's a black Marine general. That is a general and he kicks ass. That's how they would look at it. Mm-hmm. But the woke journalist says, that's a black Marine general. Huge difference, I think, to clarify in how Marines see their own and how these woke people see them. Mm-hmm. They, they see a label, they see a adjective Always. above them, but none of us do. That's because racism is collectivism. There are no individuals, they're only members of groups. Yeah. And that is, uh, that's how they see the world and that's why this is such a big problem. Um, you can get more from Jason on Twitter. Uh, is it at uh, Jason Buttrell? Yep. Um, don't go there because he's foul-mouthed and uh, has all <laughs> sorts of fights with people. But if you like that sort of thing, you might like Jason. Uh, no, he's actually not that foul-mouthed, although... 
Occasionally. 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 Like when the articles like this come out. Or when we're fighting about the Eagles and Cowboys. Absolutely. Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Thanks so much for taking the time and stay tuned uh, for just a few minutes uh, from now. The premiere of Glenn's newest special, Digital Stormtroopers, How Big Tech Will Silence You and Steal the Election. You know, even the president of the United States has been retweeting uh, the information about this special. Uh, you know, if he, you know, he has a visibility on this stuff behind the election. So, you know, this is a big deal. Blaze TV, 9 p.m. Eastern. If you don't yet have a Blaze TV account, there's never been a better time. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Back in a second. Conservators unite. Yes, it's time for all you nerdy conservatives out there to join me for for Stu Does the Election, a collection of election stories that we do regularly here on this program. However, today's a little special. Today we've got polls galore, possibly the most polls I've ever seen on one day. I don't know that I've ever seen so many polls come in on the same day. And usually that happens a lot closer to the election. Uh, The polling thing is weird right now. It's getting more and more expensive for pollsters to actually uh, get these polls done. So they're doing them a lot less often. Uh, They're doing them in all sorts of weird ways, like through the Internet and and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, Now, this does not this is not like the ones that we just post. and We're like, hey, do you like Donald Trump? Click yes for yes and no for no. I don't know why I'd do the opposite of that. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, like, it's not an internet poll. These are scientific polls. But you, they are in that realm of uh, there's a bunch of question marks around them. No one really knows how these things are going to play out. Um, what's, I think, kind of interesting here is that everyone kind of released these polls after the conventions. So you kind of get a sense of where these things are going. I will tell you this right now. In my hands, I hold the results of 12 national polls for the presidency, 12 and three separate swing state polls. So I got a ton of stuff to go through here. So sit back, just let the numbers wash over you. It's like a really nerdy dip in the pool. Except the pool, instead of water, there's numbers. Okay, so let's start with... uh, Ipsos. Now, Ipsos, decent pollster. It's okay. They've got Biden at 47, Trump at 40. Um, That's about if you kind of walk into this thinking it's about an eight point lead for Biden at the beginning of the um, of the uh, conventions. And I should point this out. This is something that's sort of a known thing if you watch this program every once in a while. But there is a sort of reaction right now to polls uh, to just say all polls suck and they were wrong in 2016. Just to back off of that, in case you don't know this, I've explained it many, many times, and people are sick of hearing me say it, but I'll say it again anyway. The 2016 polls, particularly nationally, were not that bad. In fact, they had Hillary Clinton winning the, uh, the popular vote by about three points, and she won by about two points. So it, it missed by about a point. The swing states, there were some errors in there, but, you know, they weren't all terrible there either. Uh, there were just a few states that Trump performed better in, but it was enough for him to give him the presidency. So... What you take from this, I think, is not, okay. this is what the election is right now, but it gives you a sense of where we stand and where the momentum is going as we get closer and closer to the election. Another thing that's important to look at when we talk about polls, I've said this many times as well. The covid era is giving us a different election. 
it's it's weird. We are in the middle of a freaking pandemic. There's a lot of things we've talked about that you don't know how they're going to play out. Mail-in voting. Are people going to go to the polls? What's the COVID situation going to look like uh, come November? None of this stuff we know. And what I said the entire time is we basically have had an election where Joe Biden has had a pretty consistent lead over Trump in the polls. Uh, In fact, very consistent uh, as compared to previous elections, including the uh, Clinton-Trump battle. However, I don't take all that much out of that. Uh, I really don't. Um, I keep thinking to myself uh, that this is going to tighten at some point because people really just haven't looked at the election yet. People haven't haven't jumped in uh, to the, the election mode yet. I think that's starting now, obviously, with the conventions. As we get to the debates, it'll be in full swing. So with all that set up, here's the polls. Ipsos has uh, Biden 47, Trump at 40. Um, YouGov has Biden 51, Trump at 40. So an 11-point lead on that one. Um, IBD has Biden at 49, Trump at 41, an 8-point lead. CNN has 51-43, Biden over Trump, an 8-point lead. Um, USC has Biden 51, Trump 42. I want to pause on that one for a second. This is a really interesting story um, if you're a a total nerd. Um, The USC poll is one that you may remember from 2016. It was one of the very few polls that nationally had Trump ahead. And so they kind of at the end of it was like, hey, we we are the ones that called it right. Eh, Not really. Again, they're not they're not predicting the Electoral College. They're predicting the popular vote. So they actually were wrong. Uh, I mean, they actually were wrong and they missed by four or five points, which they were not alone in that. But what's interesting about the USC poll is a totally different setup. It's a different style, a new kind of polling. And I think there's real promise in this style of polling. Basically, what they did is they have a giant panel of people. Um, And that's, you know, typically a way a poll works is they're calling all sorts of randos and getting their results and and, and framing it into a national polling situation. USC is doing it differently. And I kind of like their approach long term, especially. They get a a giant panel. And once you're in the panel, you stay in the panel. So if you're you get in there and they call they call you, you get in this panel and then they'll take a poll from you every couple weeks or whatever it is. And you respond and you say, yeah, I like Trump. And then the next week they call ask you again. Do you like Trump or Biden? You say, I like Trump. And then some Trump, I don't know, runs your little your puppy over in, in your in your parking lot. And then you say, you know what? Now I want Biden and you switch. Well, it's going to be able to detect that and know that you are a Trump person who switched to Biden, which is interesting. Um, so the USC poll went through 2016 was, you know, not a, it was didn't have terrible results, but it didn't exactly nail it. Now we're into 2020 and we can kind of compare because the majority of people from 2016 are still on the panel. So these are the same people who may have voted for Trump in 2016. Are they going to continue to vote for that in 2020? It's an interesting poll to watch right now, uh, you know, kind of reflective of the rest of them. Uh, Biden at 51, Trump at 42, a nine point lead. Rasmussen, as you may know, is usually more a little bit more favorable towards Trump. And that's reflected here as well. Uh, Biden, 49, Trump, 45. That's pretty much, you know, that's margin of error stuff right there. Harris has it at 4640. That's pretty much margin of error as well. Uh, let's see. Suffolk is one of the highest rated pollsters, has a Biden at 50, Trump at 43. Quinnipiac has 52-42, Biden plus 10. Um, let's see, three more. Curiously, and not spelled C-U-R, but Q-R, curiously, has, the, uh, has it at a five-point lead for Biden, 46-41. Uh, two more. The Selzer and Company, Selzer is one of the highest rated pollsters out there, has it at 49.41. 
uh, Biden, and then uh, Morning Consult has it 51-43 Biden. Combine all this together, <laughs> it's a lot of polls to tell you one little simple story. It narrowed a little bit since the conventions. Before the conventions, it was a little bit over an eight-point lead. Now it's a little bit over a seven-point lead. Not much news there for you, honestly. I feel like the momentum, I feel the momentum is, is more in Trump's corner on this. We'll see if that gets reflected in the next couple of weeks. You can disregard these as far as thinking, oh, gosh, this is over. What I would say, though, is to, to take into account uh, the idea that there needs to be an improvement here with voters who are undecided. Uh, there's enough voters right now who are like, I don't know, Trump or Biden, and they're going to Trump in these polls, or going to Biden in these polls. If you want Trump to win, you, you still do need some improvement. I think he's been pretty smart with the way he's handled the uh, the violence uh, and riots in the street stuff here in the past couple weeks. We'll see if that has an effect as we go forward. I think people are sick of it. You see the reaction from Joe Biden. We played the speech earlier this week. Look, Joe Biden's not out there saying, I swear I don't like rioting. He's not doing that if he thinks he's actually up by eight points with no risk of that changing. He's seeing he, they're seeing stuff in their internal polling. They're seeing stuff in the in the polling on topics that are scaring them. Uh, and look, you know, Kellyanne Conway got some heat uh, from Joe Biden in that speech for saying every time there's another riot, there's another fire. This is going to help Joe Biden's election. Well, look. We all understand, and we're all adults here, we all understand that these things are pretty complicated um, and negative events can affect the campaign. I will tell you this, the same thing can be said for COVID. The more deaths there are due to COVID, the worse it is for Donald Trump, right? The more cases, the more flare-ups that there are when it comes to COVID, the worse it is for Trump. That's not necessarily fair, per se, uh, but that is the reality of the situation. And I think it's also true on the other side when it comes to riots and violence and the opposite effect with Biden. Um, we do have three um, swing state polls with mixed results. Uh, they have this one. I, I just plainly don't believe Wisconsin. They have uh, Biden at 53 and Trump at 40. Now, look, if he loses Wisconsin by 13, this is not going to be a close election. I don't believe that number um, in Florida. I am legitimately concerned about Florida. If you've heard me talk about this, I've said it many times. Uh, Florida is a state that Trump I'll put it out this way, is 100% required to win to be president in 2021. Well, not January, but after January 2021. He has to win Florida. This poll has it at 50 to 43. He's down seven. Now, I'll give you this on the other side. I don't think he necessarily has to win Pennsylvania to be the president. But uh, the Pennsylvania poll from the same pollster, let's see, or no, this is actually from Monmouth, excuse me, uh, Biden 48, Trump 47. So only down by one in Pennsylvania. That's a good result for Trump. I mean, uh, he's performing pretty well there, especially against Lunch Bucket Joe. I mean, this guy is a middle class guy, middle class guy. Uh, basically, Joe Biden in between campaign speeches, uh, he, he's, he's, he's putting rivets He's putting rivets in ironworks. That's what he does. He's that middle class. That's Joe. He's a steel worker. He, that's what he that's what he is. I mean, he yeah, you have to see that in him. Right. You certainly don't see a guy who's been in Congress for 47 years and the vice presidency and is just like loaded with money and has brought in uh, millions and millions of dollars for his kids in between cocaine binges uh, in Ukraine. You don't see that at all. What you see is a middle class guy. He's he's up for the challenge. If he's only winning Pennsylvania by one, that's a good sign right now for Trump as this, I think, starts to tighten. Uh, so that's where we are right now. 
what I would take overall from this large presentation of millions and millions of numbers is Trump has probably narrowed it slightly since the conventions. It has not been a huge game changer. He is in a good position, a better position than you might expect in the Midwest. If he can win a couple of those states, uh, that's really good news. But it's not going to help him that much if he doesn't win Florida. He's, he's in big trouble if he does not win Florida. That should be the target of a lot of campaign resources right now, because to me, it's a much must win. There are scenarios he can get to 270 without Florida. They're really unlikely. It's possible. But, I, you know, to me, I would be very comfortable betting against it. He must win Florida, I believe, to hold the presidency. So if you want to look at one state, you remember 2000, right? You remember it. We all remember the hanging chads. We know how important Florida can be. It's the number one state that needs to be on Trump's radar right now. If you're in Florida, you want Trump to win. This is the time you want to volunteer. You want to do all those things, whatever you whatever you think is important. It's a good time for it because he cannot lose Florida and still be president next term in my expert current. We'll change it as soon as I get another piece of data opinion. Back in a second. Guys, I have something important to say, and I know, I know you are not going to agree with it. I know you conservatives are going to be out there getting all pissed off about this. So I'm just going to come out and say it because it's important and I feel it in my soul. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say about that? Oh, you also believe they matter? Okay. Well, I guess that's not as, as good a point. I will say this. Black Lives Matter is not about politics. I hope you haven't been thinking that. I hope you haven't been thinking that has something to do with politics because it does not. By the way, the solution for the NBA having to uh, boycott their games was to open up a bunch of arenas so that people can vote. But it's not about politics. It's got nothing to do with politics. Just the solution to all the racism is voting for Democrats. Because you know what? If I could think of one thing you could do to stop racism in the society, it's voting for Joe Biden. You know, Joe Biden is a guy that has just never even hinted at any racism, with the exception of all of his racist comments. You know, I mean, there's only a few dozen of them. The guy's been alive for 200 years. Give him a break. You know, I mean, come on. We can all be don't be don't be don't be so strict. Okay, don't be a stickler. You can go, by the way, uh, Orlando now saying that you can go vote there. If you if you're in the area, you want to go vote in an arena. Uh, Don't worry. No, no risk of COVID there. You can go vote for Democrats and you will be cured of COVID. If you have COVID and you go vote for Democrats, you'll be cured and you'll kill racism. What more could you ask for? Uh, The Trump administration has asked for states to be ready for the vaccine by November 1st, which there's been some some skepticism on this one. Uh, Interestingly enough, the vaccine, which is the vaccine stuff is always interesting to me because people are always like, oh, that's a right wing thing. Well, it's not really a right wing thing or a left wing thing. Kind of there's people on both sides of the uh, the vaccine skeptic sort of camp. I mean, I remember going to a, a party in at one of the Super Bowls with uh, it, it was held by um, Jenny McCarthy. 
and Jim Carrey. They were they were the big party sponsors. And we're there. You know, it's a fun time. You know, again, they they it's not like I'm cool or anything. I just got in because I knew somebody else uh, and they were cool. And so we got in there and we're sitting there and all of a sudden about halfway through, we get a very long speech about how bad vaccines are. Uh, so it's odd Super Bowl party material. I will say that. Uh, but it's you know, there's people on the left. RFK Jr. is one of the biggest vaccine skeptics there are out there. What's fascinating, though, about this right now is that now everybody on the left is a vaccine skeptic. Why? Because Donald Trump is trying to get a vaccine. Donald Trump is working hard. He's I mean, I will say the effort that has been put into this project, whether you like it or not, has been it's mind blowing. I mean, they have they have. Accelerated this process at an incredible rate, and they're not skipping scientific steps. They're skipping money steps. They're skipping procedural steps. Steps, or a lot of the the, the red tape around this project is being eliminated. And they're going to try to do this before the end of the year. Trump wants it by November first. The left is all saying, "Oh, he only wants it by November first because the election's November fourth, which he probably does want it for that reason. But I don't think that's why he's doing it. I think, uh, I mean, you'd want it for that reason, too, if you were running for president, because yeah, it will be a nice little uh, a nice little story a couple days before the election. Hey, we came up with a vaccine uh, really, really fast. Uh, if you remember the mumps vaccine, which I know you do, took four years. And that's our record. Four years to develop a vaccine. This looks like it could be nine months, which is really incredible. Um, unfortunately, it will cause you to grow an extra limb or two. But who doesn't need two more arms? I think it's going to be great. Um, Fox News' Chris Wallace will be the moderator of the first debate. Steve Scully from C-SPAN will be there as well. And then uh, who's the other one? Susan Page from USA Today will do the vice presidential debate. And do we have the who's the third person? Do we know? It's probably in here somewhere. Kristen Welker will be doing it. Kristen Welker uh, will be doing one of the debates as well. So there you go. I mean, Wallace is an interesting choice because Wallace obviously seen as Fox News, but Wallace can ask tough questions of either side. I think that'll be really interesting. And finally, uh, Nancy Pelosi is is getting to the bottom of a conspiracy. She's got a conspiracy. She's wor- been working out in her head. Now she knows it's true. She's ready to come forward with it. She says her hair appointment was a setup. Uh, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, who is legitimately among the worst people that exist on the planet. Let's be honest about it. She is just awful in every single way. Uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks right here. Nancy Pelosi sucks, Penn. Um, She says, I take responsibility for trusting the word of a neighborhood salon that I have been to over the years many times. Uh, when When they said they were able to accommodate people one person at a time, one person at a time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. That's not what taking responsibility is. Blaming it on a conspiracy theory is not taking responsibility. You want rules for you that you don't want to apply to anyone else. You know that's true. Back in a second. One thing you need to be quite aware of as we go into the next month or so, Andrew Cuomo has a book coming out. And Andrew Cuomo is awful. Uh, AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com is the place to go to prove how much you know Andrew Cuomo is awful. He, uh, his book is actually coming out in October where he takes credit for uh, solving coronavirus. And, and, and after all, you got to give him some credit for having the worst numbers in, in the world. Um, you know, worse than anywhere else. 
that's Andrew Cuomo. Chris Cuomo is worse. Is that true? Well, it may be. Um, but you can go to ChrisCuomo'sWorse.com and get the material there as well. Uh, get you, pick up your T-shirts. Great for election season. Lots of other stuff up there, too. StuDoesMerch.com.